Good day. Welcome here to Sports Dance.ie. We are a day late, but trust me, it is worth it. It is the third half, our weekly show, looking back on live matches on television, whether it's camogie or football. And this week, it's a football show. That means I'm joined by my partner in crime, Neve Kendall. Hi, Neve. Hi, Darren. How are you? It's been a very, very eventful weekend. Two big matches to look back on as well. But before we do all that, I was telling Eve off air of a surprise for her, but I wasn't telling her until we came online on recording. So, Neve, you ready? I'm ready. This is our 300th show on Sportstars. Wow, are you serious? That's brilliant. I tell you, I can't, I can't, I can't believe that we have actually did it. <laughs> but three, 300 shows since we all kicked off and you were in the first one back in July 2020. Yeah, that's actually, it's hard to believe, Darren, just that it is July. I remember you saying before, July 2020. Um, and that's the 300 shows during that time. So it's brilliant. And well done, of course, to you. That's, that's the, the, the controller in, the, in, in, in chief <laughs> organising it all. So it's brilliant. Congratulations. Oh, no, thanks, man. I couldn't have done it without yourself and Killian and many others who've been involved in various shows as well over the course of time. But we've reached the 300 mark, and of course, we're kind of kicking off our not fully kicking off our live football coverage, but it is the first begin of the TG Carroll Ireland Senior Championship. But looking forward to belting out another 100 together, Neve, and we'll see where we are when we hit the 400 mark. Yeah, exactly, Darren. That'll be we look forward to that. Well, it is a bumper show anyway, so we're going to cut the celebrations for now in Gahamana because we have a lot to talk about. Coming up later in the show, we look back at the two games that were live from Burla Saturday night and TJ Carr. Galway against Kerry. Kerry finally getting one over the Tribes women and Dunny Gall against Waterford. We'll be hearing from the Kerry captain, Anna Galvin, who spoke to us during the week after that victory for Kerry. We'll also look back at all the other games in the Senior Championship, exactly how bad we are at making predictions in intermediate. One or two comebacks surfacing up around the country as well and our weekly AFLW column. So, Neve, you ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready. But you know what? I finished there with AFLW, so let's go there first, because it's breaking news at the time that we're recording here. Um, two more big names heading to Australia. That's right, Darren, yeah. Um, I suppose it was last night. Uh, the news of Orla Lally has come through. Um, Orla Lally, of course, the Mead All-Ireland winner and midfielder with Mead, and she has been... Um, rumoured or whatever she's talks about Fremantle Dockers, which is a West Australian club, which is also the same club as Anya Tag plays for. Um, so yeah, she uh, it looks like she's moving down under along with her um, her teammate Vicky Wall. That's a big one because like and we'll be talking about Eamon Murray in a bit, but um like Vicky Wall obviously the news came official last week, but now with Orla Lally going as well. And again it just goes to show and we've we've had no apologies here in sports staff saying this for themselves as people making their own careers they're perfectly entitled to take this opportunity. Do we wish they wouldn't? Because we love to see them playing LGFA. Of course, we prefer to see them at home as well. But like, it's the opportunities open up there as well. And of course, you mentioned Orla Lally. There's another name that we'd heard this rumor for the last couple of weeks. And we didn't want to say it. We had something concrete. But uh, uh, meet are playing Armagh this weekend. And I think, well, I don't think they're missing any of the players yet. But Armagh also have a name going down there. That's right, Darren. Um, Blahi Macken is the, the other name that's been mentioned. Um, it was released this morning. As, as you said, we had heard rumours of it a few weeks ago, but um, there's talk of her going to Melbourne. Um, so, yeah, that's it. another another player and another, um, you know, uh, another, as you said, we don't want to see these brilliant players leave our shores and, and um, we don't mind them doing it, but we don't want to see them. We love watching them playing football and we enjoy watching them playing. And it's it's another shame to see another player like um, Blahi. Head down under as well, you know, for the sake of our math football. I mean, 
Yeah, I'm just reading the 42 here, like, which has a couple of stories up here. Now, we know Oralali, like Vicky Wall, won't be heading off until Mead's championship run is done. Do we know the stars of Blonde Mackin? Because if she is missing for Armad this year, that is a serious blow to their championship campaign. Yeah, it really is, Darren. Um, we don't we don't know what the story is. I mean, the preseason um, down under started actually on Monday there yesterday, or Monday the 13th. Um, and obviously the, the, the games commence on the 25th, 27th of August that weekend. So I suppose, um, you know, I know there's a guy called Mike Cran is the AFL. He's working closely with the players that's on in, in the country at the moment that's, um, you know, that are heading out for preseason. So I assume he's working with Vicky and Orla and possibly Blahine as well. So I'm assuming she's not going before, like, like the two meet girls, until after the championship is over, but we don't know. No, we don't. I'm just having a quick skim here on social media as well. Mike Rand's done a lot of work and creating opportunities for Irish players to play in Australia. Ailish Constantine from his own county of Clare as well, a two-time uh, grand final winner. And of course, all our Dwyer winner with the Brisbane Lions in 2021 as well. I don't see any news here at the moment to confirm that too, but we might know more on Friday. Of course, as I mentioned at the start of the show, we're just a day late this week, uh, the third half, but as a special show, we said we keep you waiting. The sports dance football will be on Friday of this week and we'll be back to our normal schedule uh, next week as well with three podcasts for the next couple of weeks two of them being done with football Um, before we move on from this of course like again it's the test now because even some players are gone already like Eric O'Shea some of those um, AFLW players are back like I saw a picture of Sarah Rowe out training on Monday her first day back as well you get the feeling that whatever we're not losing this year, we're going to lose next year if it goes well for them as well. And again, it's just like with me, for example, it threatens to bring down, I don't want to use the term empire, they've only won all Ireland one, but that rock of a team that they've put together. Well, last year we talked so much about the absence of Caroline O'Hanlon for Armagh. And now that Blahan Mackin, we'll know after the weekend whether she's home or not, but they were forming a good midfield partnership. That's right, Darren. Like it is, you know, as you said, you know, in some for some counties, this might be only one or two players, but you know, that's one or two players that's very hard to replace in a small in a small time frame. So, you know, as you said, you know, if Blahin goes, you know, you've got that partnership with Carolyn and Hor, you know, the same with with Orl Lally and Vicky Wall, that partnership that being sort of midfield, they always line up together anyway, midfield certainly. And you know, it's it's hard to to replace that in a in a short term, and especially when you know you don't have in particular in me, they're not, they're not using a massive amount of subs, so it, it will be hard to replace. And I mean, you're looking at um, some, some I, th- I see um, like Orlo Dwyer and I think Sarah Rowe have like two-year extensions. They're, they have deals done for two years. And, you know, this is potential that, that these new girls is going down, that they might get, ext- potentially will get the extensions and mightn't be involved at all next year. You're looking at the possibility. Like, so that is, it's, it's going to be hard for, for County certainly to, to, yeah. uh, to and then- perform without them. And the thing as well is that while English Constantine is the most decorated, like Ola, Ola Dwyer and Sarah Rowe have become big brands down in Australia as well. Like, you know what I mean? Like, um, we talked about the minimum wage, you know, going up to like the equivalent of 70,000 euro, whatever the case may be. I'm, I'm guessing, I don't know their personal details, but I'm guessing those two are well up on that. And that's not even including endorsements, you know, that they've really, they found their feet down there as well and they're enjoying this and it's brilliant to see too. So it does create a world of opportunity as well. And if it does work out for Blan or for Orla or for any of the other players that we've talked about as well, there's 
uh, a host of names. I think one week, Neve, we, this is all nailed down. We just need to go through exactly how many players are down there as well because there's still names flying around the place and we're trying to deal with one or two every week as well. But a massive blow for our man, me, going forward, but massive opportunity for Blahan and for Orla. And as both, Neve, as we've done with the rest, and we wish them the very best luck. Absolutely, Darren. And we, you know what I mean? It, it, it's something that we will follow their progress down there and be interested to see how they all perform. And, you know, you, you really will look forward to seeing them. And I suppose, I mean, it, it's, you know, it's a sport that we're not that familiar with. As you said, in 2020, you know, lockdown, we, we got in, we got following it then, but I suppose it's not that familiar with it. And I think more and more Irish players go down, the more and more interest from, the, from this side of the world, um, you know, so it certainly will it'll cause a bit. Yeah, I just mentioned Blonde Mackin as well. She's going to Melbourne. She'll be linking up with Sinead Goldrake, who's the PD, PWC Player of the Month for May. And well done, Sinead. Uh, we'll, go, we'll go through the TG Carroll Ireland Senior Championship, just the games that we're not featuring quickly. Dublin 514, Cavan 2 4. Um, Sinead Ahern is back. Carla Rose scores two goals. I think Nicole Owens is having a flyer of a season. Um, no surprises here, but uh, Dublin probably the most impressive team of the week. Yeah, definitely, Darren. I mean, you know, we, we're going to get no praise for, for winning this game because there were high, hot favourites going into it, expected to win it on home ground as well. And I mean, it's just business as usual for them. Um, you know, as you said, the, the big thing probably for them, big plus for them was they had, you know, Carla Rowe, Neve Collins, Lauren McGee and Sinead Heron all started, um, all, you know, got on the score sheet. And as you mentioned, the Colones came off the bench and scored two goals too. So, you know, really was uh, just like eight different scores, you know, just was definitely... Um, business as usual for them. Yeah, it's probably the first time they've actually played with Mick closest to or Mick Bowen will believe is his championship team since last year's All Ireland final. And he hasn't hidden that fact as well. Even Leinster Championship he said he was rotating. That's right, yeah, it definitely was. And then you still look, you know, you look at the players and I know we like Aoife Kane, Ellen, Ribbon, Siobhan Killeen didn't even feature. Like there's three players that played most of the league and did well in at different stages. They didn't even feature at all at the weekend and even though he used all, all five subs. So you know, that's just it just proves that the the, the, the decorative bench that, that Dublin can have and that the you know the variety of players you can have. And I suppose that's the, the key thing to get nailed down is is, is best fifteen. Mayo one sixteen, Tipperary one six. Again, you know, uh we knew Mayo were missing players this year and we wonder how they'll get on at a quarter final, but they went out and did what they had to do. They got the job done against Tip. Yeah, again, similar similar situation, Darren. You know, weren't gonna get much um Praise for winning it. They were expected to win it. Uh, you know, had sort of the, the job done by half ten, uh, half time, one ten to four points, and uh, had the win in the first half. So yeah, you know, eight different scores again, seven or eight different scores. And, you know, had a couple of debutants, which was good too. Um, you know, using a few new new players and you know, Sinead Walsh um, and Tara Needham were, were standout players for them as well. So um, yeah, again, it's 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 uh, routine for them, and I suppose they have to look to the, the bigger game, which will be against um, Dublin. Big game yeah. for them. They play Kevin live on TV this coming Sunday as well. And um, we won't be a game we'll be featuring in Sports Dads football this week, but we will be reviewing it on the third half next week. Uh, the other game that we're not featuring, but we're going to talk about it um, Monaghan against Mead. Eamon Murray didn't like it. You didn't like it. There was a lot, lot to like about this game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, Darren, there certainly was. Um, you know, I suppose, uh, you know, I, I obviously went to it and it was it was played in, in a, um, you know, it wasn't like, like all games on Saturday. There was no, it was, was, wasn't pretty. There was some really bad showers, especially towards the end of the game. And it was very blustery conditions. Um, but uh, like, <laughs> yeah, it, Monaghan, I suppose, um, 
you know, I suppose I'm always going the tail of war with Monaghan, but I mean, they're probably even in a worse situation than they were in that Kerry game back in, in the league semi-final. Um, they only had 19 players togged out at the weekend. Their captain, Murren Atkinson, or joint captain, Murren Atkinson, and one of their top scorers in the league, Jody McQuillan, are both injured on the line, one with a broken foot, another one with an injured hand. So there's two big players that they had in the league, you know, not even available to them. We had a good few debutants started, um, you know, Colin Jones from Maracloon, actually. That was our first uh, championship debut and Kerry Nolan at cornerbacks. So we had a couple of girls, first time ever playing uh, championship football and I suppose uh, baptism of fire in playing uh, against the All-Ireland champions. But uh, having said all that, you know, I suppose I, I, you know, I spoke about Dublin and Mayo, you know, I mean, Mead were never going to get any praise for winning this game. But, you know, they won it. I suppose you could say, right, they did what they needed to do. Monaghan scored the first point after six minutes. Didn't score again for the rest of the game. Uh, Mead were 1-4 to a point up at half time, and they, they scored seven points in the second half. But it wasn't a great performance. I, I wouldn't have been impressed by Mead, Darren. Um, they, they complained, Eamon Murray complained after about how defensive Monaghan were. And I suppose they were defensive, um, probably to their default. They did get everyone behind the ball and had nobody to play up front. When they did break down a couple of Mead attacks, they had no one to hit, and then they just weren't able to, you know, Across the into the attacking zone quick enough, um, but Mead were lacklustre. To be honest, I thought they didn't look they didn't look like anywhere near championship pace. Um, now maybe you could say that that, that brought themselves down to Monaghan's level, but you know, for a team and their what, what they're hoping to do this year to, to reclaim the All Ireland, didn't look they didn't look like All Ireland champions on Sunday Saturday down. Yeah, I know you did an interview in LFM, LMFM afterwards as well. Of course, we have quotes here in Sports Stats from Eamon Murray, and he says, Monaghan had 15 players behind the ball and only for Stacey, Stacey Grimes, of course, he's talking about on the freeze. It was awful to watch. That's what she's there for. She practices for those moments. She was very neat. She didn't put a foot wrong, and she rarely does put a foot wrong. It will be a completely different game against our man. It should be a great game to watch because both teams love playing football. Our man are an awesome team, and they will have revenge on their minds because we beat them twice in the last two years. Um, I don't know what he's really opened the game, the game now with that, because I, and you've still, you, you were at the game now. Like, I would have expected Monaghan to go in defensive. And like, did Mead, well, I don't think Mead are a defensive team, but they did build their system off a defensive formula. That's it, Darren, exactly. Now, I actually think Mead have gotten a little, even from watching them in the Leinster final as well, and I suppose Dublin set up a little bit defensive against them. And as, as you said, teams have gone, are going that way now because they, they saw it worked for Mead last year. And, you know, um, but Mead, I, I would feel, I, if I think back to the All-Ireland final last year, I would say Mead were defensive, but they still kept, you know, like rotating Nevo Sullivan, Emma, um, Emma Duggan or Stacey up front to win a ball. So they had someone to hit, you know, and, and, and then worked, the, the support came after that. I, I would feel now they've gone fully defensive, like as in they're nearly everyone's behind the ball as well. Like, and, you know, they do tack in a, way, in a wave. And at one stage, you know, I was standing with my ex-teammates, the Ellen McCarran and Sharon Courtney and the, the, the McInespies twins. And we watched and it looked like, um, you know, this wave of mead, mead players coming and thing. But you know, in fairness to Monaghan, you know, they did what they had to do for, for 30 minutes. But, you know, I suppose freeze then were always going to, be the be the difference and I suppose they give away a couple of simple frees and, and Stacey Grimes was awesome like eight from eight so you know she definitely deserves all her plaudits and I mean that that was um you know there were pressure kicks against a, you know in, in a tough wind so all all great scores but you know I just I, I don't know as I said I, I just I, I just found at times they didn't anywhere they didn't get the championship pace and that's what I think was more annoyed about annoyed watching them 
apart from being defensive and us being and Monaghan being defensive, it's just like, even when they, they had time to drop a ball behind them and, and slowly walk over and pick it up nearly. It's just they didn't lack they lacked Tommy pace, and I I think they're going to get it very hard to lift themselves for to play our man next Sunday. To be honest. Based on the quotes he's come up with there anyway, he's put himself on that. Now, we'll be previewing our mag against Mead on Sports Stars Football on Friday and we'll go through all that, including the Mead performance. Before we leave it, Monaghan, and I hate asking you these questions being from Monaghan and, and all that, but even like with the 19 players, two key personnel out, uh, there was nearly a full Monaghan team out watching the match as much as was playing the game. I suppose we have to call it call it fair and there was only one point scored and that was early enough in the game. Like, I know we both made the prediction last week, but is are, are they walking the green mile at the moment from just what you saw? Yeah, Darren, unfortunately, I, I really think so. Um, you know, it's just, you know, I, I like, yeah, I, I just think at the moment, it's still a very, it's a very young team. Like, this is the reality. Very young, very inexperienced team instead the debutants are only, you know, 18 and 19 year, years of age. The Garland twins are only, um, they were minor in 2018. So they're only 20, 21, 22. So they're still, it's still a very, very young, young side. And, um, you know, Meryl Mackinson was the oldest player and I mean, most experienced. And I mean, she obviously was on the line. So yeah, it, it's just, I, I just can't, yeah, I, I can't see them. Like obviously play Armagh again. I mean, we're sick to teeth playing Armagh over the last couple of years as, as, a, as a county um, and we'd play them again, and we know what, what way we set up, you know, how the, the Ulster Championship match went, and the, the um, yeah, the Ulster Championship match went. So, yeah, I, I just think so. Yeah, I think we're going to be, it's going to be very, very hard to, to pull, um, pull a win out of the next two matches, being at the relegation game as well. You mentioned the Garland twins there before we leave it. Amy got a yellow card with altercation with Vicky Wall. Vicky was having a few altercations again in that match. Yeah, yeah, there was um, yeah, because I, I also in 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 Eamon Murray's interview after the game, he complained about the abuse Vicky got, um, and they said that the teams are trying to provoke her nearly and, and try and get her sent off. Now, I I I seen a few incidents early on that Vicky was was far from being the one pr- provoked. <laughs> it was the opposite way around. But um, yeah, I mean she had run in. I mean the Garland twins are 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 um are feisty little devils as well, and I mean they clashed. Thankfully, um, Vicky did go off. She was holding her shoulder. Thankfully, she's not injured and she's she is able to continue on. That she's it's nothing serious. And I mean, the Garland twins got a bang. I think it was it was, it was Lauren, wasn't it? Lauren. Oh no, I only heard the radio. I haven't seen it yet, but I saw it was Amy. Yeah, I think it was but... Lauren. Um, and you know, she she got the sin bin as well. So yeah, so she got a couple of bangs. But yeah, I mean, as I said, um, you know, they were well, neither a well conditioned team, and, and you can see the strength and condition, and you can see that that's you know that they're very strong in the tackle as well. Mead got the job done 113 to a point so Mead, Dublin and Mayo all picking up expected victories we'll be dealing with the other two games in the latter part of the show we've a couple of minutes the first segment to go Neve, the Intermediate TG Carr Football Championship oh my god I like uh, they're, they're, they're embarrassing the two of us here because we can't get anything right but in fairness it is, uh, we knew it was going to be good but even last weekend, again, um, between surprises, not just results and everything, like, uh, I don't know how we're going to sum up all this in three or four minutes. Yeah, <laughs> you're so right, Darren. Like, it really has. It has been the, you know, the gift that's keep on giving. Like, you know, they really have. Like, I mean, we, we, we complimented the Connacht and, and the Leinster Championship, you know, earlier on that, that they were so competitive. And now this has been the all, all, um, Oh, every round game in this has been has been uh, brilliant. And again, as you said, this weekend it's left us um, guessing right up until the end um, who was going to finish in the groups and what, especially and, and which who was going to finish one or two in the groups. I don't think we picked a group winner between us. I think you have five quarterfinalists and I have four. 
Uh, we dealt with Kildare shock last week, but like, let's just go through this. We had Longford, Wicklow, and Loud all down to be in the relegation dogfight, and three of them in the quarterfinals, two of them top groups. We have Aron Fitzpatrick, check social media, Jerome Quinn's social media, scoring one of the goals of the year, as Leash beat Tyrone. And we have Mary Rose Kelly, who was playing football before you started playing football, <laughs> um, make a return for Wexford. And that's just the tip of it. Yeah, that is. Yeah, you're so right, Darren. Um, you know, and I suppose it, it's just, yeah, it, it really was. I suppose, like, as you said, last week was the big surprises of of Kildare and Leitrim, you know, um, well, obviously you said down and, and Sligo being relegated and, and Kildare and That's been Leitrim. confirmed since as well. We were and re- that's been confirmed as right, mm-hmm. yeah. And then like, you know, Roscommon have gone and, and uh, or Longford have gone and, and you know, topped the group. Uh, you know, Leash then go beat Tyrone and, and end up topping the group. And, you know, Loud then come out of nowhere and beat Clare and they top that group. In Clare as well. And that was a really a massive performance. And I mean, you know, Loud didn't have a good Leinster, Leinster campaign and, you know, hadn't I think that he got one win in, in out of out of three in, in Leinster and and they just, and to go to relegation you know, final in the league as well. That's right. And they've just pulled it out of the fire and into two great wins and as you said in Clare. And then obviously Wexford, you know, again the team that that puts us all guessing all the time and has, you know, we can never predict. And I suppose we, we've been critical of them saying that they can't get back to back victories. Now they've got three in a row and you know all hard fought wins. Um and they've topped the group now. And then obviously Wicklow. <laughs> Wicklow is, is one that we just had not put, given them any hope at all. And they've come in in second. So it really has been, um, you know, just brilliant. And it's, it's kept us guessing right till the very end. And I mean, I really look forward to, um, I think it's it's two weeks time, isn't it? The, the, yeah. the quarterfinals. So, yeah. Yeah, our own Killian Whelan was commentating on the Wexford Leitrim game. And you can even, since the giddiness from his tweet when he broke the news about Mary Rose Kelly, but... Just when you talk about Wexford, look near the quarterfinal pairings on Sunday the 26th of June. Wexford against Tyrone, that's a reward for winning the group. Loud <laughs> against Roscommon. Longford against Clare. And Leash against Wicklow. Like, granted, there's big names there coming through. Wexford, Tyrone could easily be a final. Um, Roscommon, Clare and Leash are there. But I mean, two of them are as runners up. There's no guarantees here as well. And it's just... Like, we'll be talking more times about the senior championship, and understandably so, but yeah, you can only think we could, should be doing a show on its own just for the intermediate championship because it's the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, I, 100%, Darren. And I mean, you know, I suppose um, after, you know, the senior championship obviously started last weekend and we had five matches and three of them, you know, there wasn't less than 10 points um, of, of the score difference between the teams. Obviously, the two televised games we'll talk about in a minute. But you know, all in in the in the in the Leinster Championship, they were all close games. Like even the ones, you know, there was very little between them. You know, the point obviously in the Loud Clare game, like the games that was really two points in the in the Wexford Leitrim one, games that was important and, and needed. Like you know, and some of them, I suppose the the Wexford um, the Wexford were still didn't need to win that. They were still, I think they were still going to finish top, were they? Yeah, it was a dead rubber. Well, it, yeah, it was a dead rubber because Leitrim was gone. You know, so any of the games, they just I think I think every game had. I think the most between Leash and Tyrone was the most score difference. Um, I think there was, yeah, there was eight points in it. But the rest of them were all so close. And, you know, they're really competitive right up until the end. And, you know, that's what we've been looking for. And, and you know, and thank God the Intermediate has given us that, um, especially last weekend. Yeah, Leash, Tyrone, Wicklow and Offaly as well at a five-point margin. The lowest any team scored was 110. 
and the highest any team scored was 312. Uh, absolutely cracking. On Sports Stars Football this week, we are going to be talking to the loud football captain, Shannon McLaughlin, uh, on that great victory against Clare and how uh, loud have been going as well. Of course, they won Division 4 of the league last year, won a junior All-Ireland in 2019 as well. So a great chat we have with her. We'll hear that on Sports Stars Football on Friday. Very, very quickly, because we're running over in the first segment, uh, Junior Championship, Carlo, um, getting the job done on Derry. One of my favourite picture of the week was when the Carlo girls met the Derry girls. It's up on our social media. <laughs> um, Fermanagh beat London and Antrim beating Limerick by two points in probably the big game of the lot. Yeah, that was, I suppose, that was the one, Darren, last week that we couldn't really call. We did expect Carlo to do the business against Derry and I suppose Fermanagh and London, we weren't sure what London team would, what, what kind of team London would have, but Fermanagh, um, you know, obviously I've um, really after their loss last week, needed that win. So, um, but yeah, Antrim Limerick was it was a close one, um, and I suppose uh, you know Antrim got the, got the job done as you said, two points. It was a, it could have went either way towards the end, but um, had the had the upper hand anyway. So that's uh, it's leaving them in this healthy position. Yeah, Antrim holds New York this week. I think Limerick are playing them on Wednesday week, and the Junior Championship is up and running in full flow. Now that's it for the first part of the show. Uh, when we come back, we're focusing on Kerry against Galway. But after the break, to take us there. We catch up with the Kerry football captain, Andy Galvin. I like listening to sports stars because he has famous celebrities and I guess listen to him. Darren Kelly. Now, of course, the big result in the opening weekend of the TG Carr All-Ireland Senior Football Championship. Kerry finally getting one over Galway. 3-10-3-8 in St. Brendan's Park Burr last Saturday. And I'm delighted to be joined here in the third half by the Kerry captain, Anna Galvin. And first, Anna, thanks a million for joining us here in sports stars. Thanks, Millen Darren. It's great to be here. It's great to be chatting too. Absolute pleasure is mine. And I have to say, I know no trophies were handed out. It was only the first day of the championship. But I suppose if you could pick one team that you were due to get one over, it was this Galway team, definitely. And you must be so delighted, Kerry, to have started off the championship with a victory. Oh, yeah, 100%. Well, I suppose when you're starting out in championship, um, you definitely want to be getting off on a, on a winning foot, if at all possible. Um, so... Yeah, it was a huge win and like we just wanted, personally, we wanted to perform and, you know, really stick to what we were working on, really stick to our objectives and our structure and stuff like that. So we did, we did work on a lot um, over the last couple of weeks and we implemented so much of that in the game. So we're thrilled with that. Um, and then obviously, like I said, delighted then that we were able to get the win with that performance. Um I suppose we went in at half time and we'd been in a very similar position last year and we were adamant, you know, we mentioned it, we were adamant that we weren't going to let that situation arise again and something like a, the game slipped through our fingers like we did last year. Um, so certainly glad to be able to get over the line. Um, I think, I know it was a, a very close margin in the end, but I think probably we were, you know, a little bit, uh, probably a little bit better than that on the day and uh, yeah we're thrilled thrilled to have come away with three points anyway Look I have to say to you very straight and as a goal man too Kerry were well deserving winners I know there was a couple <laughs> of hairy moments in the closing stages but I yeah. mean you had to because even as you mentioned last year's game as well and being one point short but of course I think back to 2019 when Kerry were like 10 points up at one stage and let that game slip and then see that Galway yeah. team march on but it has to be said as well before we even look at 2022 it's not as though yes the drop to Division 2 wasn't great for the, the squad in general and took time to get back up due to COVID and other reasons and all that but even in the championship the last couple of years you've been knocking on the door it's just coming out the wrong side of tight margins so even to come out the right side of a tight margin on this occasion gives everyone a big lift 
hundred percent. Like it just kind of gives us that bit of a catapult into the, I suppose the championship scene and that like we are amongst those big teams and we are amongst those names that should be taken seriously when it comes to these stages. Um, and I think, you know, it gives, it gives our team as well, a huge boost of confidence that we can get, you know, that we're not just repeating our own habits. We're not repeating history again and again and again that we have learned and we have managed to come out this right side of a tight margin on this occasion. And like, we'll take great, um, confidence and and resilience and everything from the previous years and the fact that we were able to apply all our learnings and you know manage to keep ourselves keep ourselves above <laughs> keep ourselves afloat I suppose in the last um, few stages of that game but really like we were like you said I th- do think that we were um, probably the stronger team on the day and uh, it would have been you know very poor for us to let that have slipped and very glad that we didn't yeah, like, look, if anything, it'd probably be more damaging if you had let it slip after putting mm-hmm. yourselves in that winning position as well. And like, even when you look at some of the big moments of the game, Lorraine Scanlon's goal in the first half, you build up that advantage as well. Neve Carmody, while a bullet to the back of the net, mm-hmm. Paris McCarthy getting the touch as well. And then as a bolt, it was just, it was like little factors happening. Yes, goal, we had to disallowed goal, but they got the two goals. It must be the two yellow cards in the closing stage it was very, very frustrating. Even you finish this match with 13 and it was really backs to the wall to get the job done. Yeah, definitely. Um, and like it was, it was, you know, it was a mile a minute game and there was kind of, it seemed like the, that second half was quite hectic and it was quite frantic. I suppose the first half was a little bit more stop start, but um, things flowed a little bit more in the second half. There was a bit more of a match, you know, at hand. Um, so it was quite hectic, quite a mile a minute. And look, Galway are no, um, are no joke either. And like they are, they're well used to, putting teams under serious pressure and they have immense players too so realistically we knew that we could never switch off and we just did for a moment and it it, it could have cost us but thankfully it didn't but there's a huge like although we're very glad to have gotten the points there are huge things that we need to take away and work for on in the game you know just making sure working on game management and closing games out and things like that but like you said the fact that we still came away with the win you know we went down two players um, and Kira Butler was under pressure inside in the goal. Um, and, you know, that that kind of pressure will stand to her going forward as well. She will probably learn so much from that even in herself. She's only 18. She's in the middle of the leaving cert like, and she was under probably more pressure on Saturday than she had been the week <laughs> in the exams. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like that will all stand to us now. And we did have our backs against the wall but we managed to manage to hold on so hopefully we can um those those kind of moments are are you know championship and season defining and um I'm just delighted that we were that we were able to like I said come out the right side of it and hopefully we can you know take there's huge positives to be taken but we do need to work on and identify where where it kind of nearly crumbled for us and make sure that it doesn't come quite so close to that again. Yeah, and of course you have the two weeks before the game against Westmead and as we mentioned already, and you'll go in as favourites against Westmead, but this was a Division 1 team from last year determined to make an impact as well. So there's still plenty of work too to be, before you book your spot in a quarter-final against more than likely Armagh or Mead. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, so as was all eyes focused now on Westmead, so we'll, we're kind of looking at ourselves first um, and then we'll certainly be looking at Westmead as we haven't really come across them in a, in quite a while but like all through the years they've been a very strong team um, and certainly not a team to be taken for granted um, like you consider that like even if you think back to and consider that Mead 
beat them in the All-Ireland and then went on to win Division 2 and then went on to win the Senior All-Ireland. So they beat them in the Intermediate and like Westmead were up there with them in the in that Intermediate All-Ireland. So um, we know that they definitely have a huge amount of fight and battle in them. I think they're a very tough team. I think it's going to be a very physical game. Um, so just looking forward to getting back on the pitch. Glad to have the two weeks to let the body recover um, and take a little bit of time to to dissect and reassess for the next game. Um, but yeah, just really excited to to keep the, hopefully keep a bit of winning momentum going as well. And every right to be as well after the start that you've made. And even as we touched on Armagh too, she did the same thing in the league final as well, squeezing that, taking control in the closing stages. It's year three under Decton and Dara. You were captain year one and God bless Southern Gales. You got back the job again this year as well. <laughs> um, and Cassandra Buckley's involved too. And of course, I suppose the early momentum you had in the league that year was ruined by COVID coming in. And then you were a goal short against Cork. We discussed Galway. So just to begin getting yourselves back in this position, it's like this team, you mentioned Kira's only 18 years of age, but there's a lot of young players there. But this team, dare I say, could be starting to mature in 2022. Yeah, definitely. I think um, there was the uh, skeleton or the backbone of, of a team back in 2019 when the lads started. And there was a couple of us who had been around for a while and whatnot. But um, for the most part, they brought in a hugely new team, like a lot of young minors that they had known from. They had been the minors managers prior to stepping up to the senior job. So they brought a lot of those girls up with them and they were all like a huge fresh breath there. They were, um, you know, they really all stepped up to the mark very quickly. Um, but I suppose we're still all very young at that time and weren't used to the senior standard. So over the last couple of years there, like like we, you mentioned Cass, um, and then we have Amod and our Anne Maria O'Donoghue and and uh Jer as well. Um and Geraldine O'Shea. So the with the advice from excellent seasoned footballers like themselves and then Cass's Cassandra's uh strength conditioning over the last couple of years, it's really, really starting to show we are, you know, well everybody is like on a level level par now. They're well used to the senior standard, well used to that kind of um the level of physicality that comes alongside that. Um and the strength and conditioning that I suppose some of them wouldn't have been used to, and even ourselves um, hadn't probably had as high a standard as we had until we, you know, had Cassandra in for a good while. Um, so, yeah, we're all, you know, really, really fit, I think, um, strong, and we're looking forward to kind of going toe-to-toe with the senior teams now, and I think we have the ability to do that. It was work that was needed to be done at the time, I felt as well, because after the, the disappointment, look, things weren't right in Kerry for a year or two there with the drop as well. But you had Amanda Bross and Sarah Hoolan uh, heading off as well the first year you were in as captain. I know Ashley Desmond's gone since as well. So it was an opportunity as well, and probably perfect timing that the lads and Cassandra and many others came in to get involved and say, right, let's rebuild this team as well and put yourselves in a position that hence we're talking right now. Yeah, definitely. And I suppose, well, alongside. The, the physical part of the building and strengthening and strength conditioning and so on. Um, there's been like the lads have been putting down huge, like they've been laying the groundwork in terms of just implementing team plans and implementing team standards within um, both like on the pitch and then off the pitch. Like the, they've been fighting for, you know, better standards for us and really trying to bring a professional or an elite kind of um, atmosphere and, you know, standards of, performance in terms of you know getting food and getting 
uh, the right nutrition into us and getting, uh, you know, psychology support and things like this as well. So all of that has been kind of under, it's been building and increasing over the last couple of years as well. So it's kind of culminating now, hopefully in, in a very, very strong season in 2022. As well as right, rightfully deserved as well. I know we could talk for another five minutes about pitches and things like that as well, but you've documented that and Louise has recently too. Just two questions before I let you go, Anna. Um, how do you find the timing? Because you're working up in Dublin at the moment. It's a lot of travelling going on as all these matches as well. <laughs> yeah, plenty, plenty of road scene, that's for sure. Um, I'm fortunate enough that work as so I work in the disability service in Trinity College and they are kind enough to let me... Uh, take so we all do kind of different days at various days at home but I take Fridays at home essentially but I use the day to travel down to Limerick in the morning and I pit stop there and do my day's work and then I'm only an hour down the road to training Um, so I'm managing to make it work at the moment Um, I train with Nafina up here so I've transferred to Nafina so I'm training with with them up here so I'm getting loads in and there's a couple of us based up here as well so we link in and train together um it is a lot of road, that is for sure. But I think the fact that the season ends at the end of July, it makes it a little bit more manageable. I think that there is like an end line in sight um, that is not, you know, stretching on for months and months and months is definitely a huge positive for those of us who are not living in Kerry. Um, I think even just in general, it's a positive to be able to think that we'll have a summer beyond uh, football when, when August comes around. But um yeah, managing it at the moment. I seem to be, I'm kind of, when people ask me how I was getting on the start, I said, come back to me in a couple of months, but I'm still, still <laughs> chucking away. I think if you focus, think about it too much, you get um, bogged down in it. So just kind of keep going, keep focusing on training and matches and all the positives that come from it. So that was the Kerry football captain, Anna Galvin, here on the third half, where our second segment of the show is all about Kerry against Galway. And Neve, needless to say, this was the result of the weekend. And as we touched on with the interview with Anna, um, a massive result for Kerry. Yes, Darren, it really was a massive result and, you know, one that badly needed. And I suppose, um, you know, I suppose it was one that wasn't predicted, by, but it certainly wasn't predicted by us, but it wasn't predicted by too many. Um, and, you know, they really, uh, they were very hungry for the, I think from the from the get-go, Darren, and they have to be complimented that they, they had, they really wanted and they showed them the most hunger. And I think that's what got them over the line. Yeah, and, and I agreed. I said that to Anna, like, you know, we even cracked a joke. This, I was from Galway too, we were chatting, but I said it. Because there's a couple of talking points near the end of the match. We go to them first, and then we go back to the game in general. But I'm just saying, as a Galway person here, I do not believe this influenced the results at all. I think Kerry were the better team in deserving two-point winners. But we both looked at the Galway disallowed goal. And I can't work out how this didn't count. Yeah, yeah. I, I, well, my first couple of looks at it, Darren, I, I thought the same. So I actually read the rule, um, the rule in the book of, of the square ball, and it says mm. the ball you must not be in. I actually I had it. It's the old, it's the old men's rule as well. It's, it's you have yeah. to be before the ball arrives. You can't be in the square before the mm. ball arrives. Exactly, that's exactly where it's, it's stated. Um, and I suppose I know the the shoulders in slow motion on on the on the on TG Carr that night on a few occasions and spoke about it and. Yeah, I, as I said, my first reaction thought the same. But then I suppose when it slowed, when it was slowed down, I looked at it again. I did think maybe she was in the square um, just before the ball landed. But I'm 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 a miss as to how it was called in the sense that um, the, the umpires put up the green flag straight away. Hmm. That's the one thing that got me because 
Uh, I double-checked the rule book as well afterwards, and TG Carr would have been shown the men's rule, which was the men's rule, which when the ball is passed by Nick, I think it was Nicola Ward, um, uh, English Morrissey was clearly outside the square. So if it was a men's match, it would have been a goal, no questions asked. Now, I still think the ball was in the square area before she came in, but I can't judge that. But you're right. The umpire puts the green flag up straight away. So how Maggie Farley can make a call from 30 yards away on that, unless the other umpire called call her down or something, but he didn't seem to show any indication he was looking for her. He didn't make any expression that he was calling her over and all that. And it led to confusion for a moment or so, and it ended up with the goal not standing for Galway. And as you just said there, I can't work out how that call was met. Yeah. Now, I, I questioned this, and I, I, I've been told that it was called by the score assistant. Now, this, this is something that came in. I remember in 2017 or 2018, um, Mon had played Cork in an All-Ireland quarterfinal down in, in uh, Tullamore or Borough or somewhere, and Kieran McInespy scored a goal, hit the crossbar and came down and bounced over the line. The play moved on, and the next thing the referee was was the, it went to the 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 score assistant, or it went to the van, the TG Carr van. So I say, are we are, are we talking about using video evidence inside the score? Yes. You know. So it seemingly it can only be now. I don't know how. This is what I've been told. Our score assistants. That's why I just checked on my phone what it, what was what was sent to me. Um, that the score assistant, and then the fourth official then explains to the two managers. It was a square ball as she was in before the ball. It was called by the score assistant. They can only comment on scores, and it's just in the live games. We didn't have it last year as we couldn't put the truck in with COVID. Um, but the fourth official goes and explains to the boat manager after it happened. Okay, well, because see, if this is connected with TG Carr and all that, even they seem to be confused by it. Um, and, and my concern in this is that you only have two live matches a week, so you're using different rules for one match in the same competition as well. Uh, look, if there's a score assistant there and they meant the call, fair enough. But, you know, how can you do that fairly in a competition when not every game is shown live? I know all the games have been streamed now, but I don't think we have a score assistant at all the stream matches. No, and Darren, it goes back to the, the incident we had with Tyrone and Mahon this year. Siobhan Coyle, referee, made a mistake, missed a point. Because the game was, she was being assessed on that day. It just so happened that she was assessed. They could look back at it, and the game was gone back to ten points each, and that that was a drawn game. And I know it made no difference. And at the time, we spoke in length about it and said, "What about the other games? It wasn't called." And now this exact same thing in a championship match that's come in. It could mean a massive thing in in a few weeks. In a week's time, it could make it make a massive difference. That if Galway had been allowed that goal. You know, it would have been a different result, effectively. It, 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 it could have been, because I don't think they would have got been. the I other know. two goals if they got that goal. But I suppose, as well, because we want it to be fair. But if you are using it, why couldn't we see some video footage in off the line to tell us that, like, like we see with VAR in soccer, if you're going using this technology, mm. you know, I mean, you have to show where you get up to results. Yeah, agreed. I you fully know. agree. And as I said, I, I was, that's, that's why I asked the question, because I couldn't understand. I, and that's why I watched it. As I said, I watched, when I, when I actually texted you that night, I, I said it looked like a goal and you, you were going home to watch it. And then when I watched it again the next day, then I, I said, well, how come? Because I wasn't sure if the, goal, the, the umpire put the flag up on my initial watching. And as I said, when I watched it back the next day, I saw he did. And then I wondered how she came, how Maggie got the, 
you know, got the word and then I, I asked the question and that's what I was told. Yeah, if there's transparency, they need to be able to show that evidence if they're going to bring it in forward. Because if even I'm not I, mistaken, sorry, Darren, if I'm not mistaken, that, that time, the, 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 the score assist, whatever the, the call at that time with the incident with Kira McInespy, they actually showed it in slow motion and showed that they had used the truck or used the score assistant as, as letting them know. And I mean, it, it clearly showed the law, the line. You know, when you're watching on telly, like obviously we were at the match, so I, you know, we didn't realize it. But they showed it on, you know, just replayed it and it showed the ball bounce over the line. And that's how yeah. the goal was given that day. So as you said, yeah, they should have showed what angle they had the camera to show that she was in the square. Yeah, because if they showed us a side angle there and that she was in the square before the ball passed the line, because technically you're talking, it's like an offside trap in soccer, the way it was Absolutely. coming in, because I know Nicola was coming in from a right angle there as well, but I mean, the ball was floating in that way. So, um, look, we have to trust what's there, but, you know, yeah. you can understand what happens if this happens in a big match. And we've seen controversy before in big matches, but it could be a massive, it could have been a massive three points. I, I do generally don't think Kerry would have let go of Ian afterwards if the goal had stood, but it was a massive talking point. The other massive talking point at the end of the stage, Kerry finishing with 13 players. Like, you know my opinion on the on the ticking. It just drives you demented at times. Um, and it's not going, this, by the way, I want to point out, there's not going to the referee and all that. Maybe the ticks were deserved. Lorraine Scanlon was probably playing the edge a bit anyway. Louise Neymar, her ticket, I don't know as much. But I mean, when when yellow cards, at the end of the day, supporters and people see yellow cards for the foul that the yellow card comes from. And when it looks like something innocuous um, and the yellow card is given out, you kind of going like that could have been that could have been massive, especially if that was a much closer game. That all of a sudden, Kerry are getting two yellow cards at the end of the match, where the chief fouls that they committed were probably much earlier in the contest. Yeah, yeah, because I like I I fully agree, and I mean I thought I thought I thought the game was quite physical to be honest, but I think both teams I thought the game was was let go a lot a lot of times, and I'm not you know I'm not it's not that I'm, I'm not a, a I I, could, I like a game that's not too whistle happy any, but I thought the game thought the game was let slow in a sense and there was there was tackles maybe as you said a lot more um you know there could have been more more to them than than the ones that actually got got sin bin for but i think the referee in those cases meant to show clearly show where the you know it's the, it's three ticks or whatever it is they're meant to surely clear that but it's very hard to see them do it don't i in my opinion they don't do it i think like, certainly on the television you couldn't see it maybe on the, I, I doubt it you could on, on the day either so if you, I mean, if you were at the game live, but yeah, they were, and I mean, they, they were massive, they were massive turning points in the game in the sense that you could visibly see two extra, you know, you could visibly see that Galway started getting on top and that, you know, that you could see that, uh, you know, Galway were coming back into it at that stage. Yeah, like, see, you mentioned there, I remember Lorraine Scanlon won one or two uh, things during the match, so maybe that caught her, but Louise Neymar hurting now, just nothing stood out in my head. I'm sure there was fouls done, but, at the end, there kind of a collision of bodies, and yeah, it was a foul. Like, no argument with that. But then to lose a key player like that for what looked nothing more than a, a, a general foul, like, and again, it's like I find the ticking system to be so outdated. I would rather see, you know, a criteria for these are yellow card offences, and send and put the players off for ten minutes when the foul actually happens. We could watch two completely different matches, and we'd be seeing fouls going in and we've seen matches like this like could you see all these yellow cards happening if it was Dublin against Meat um, the point like the thing is, is that sometimes you just get a yellow card comes out for an innocuous foul maybe there was a more, more serious foul earlier on and you kind of go I'd rather actually this is a yellow card offence you commit this you get a yellow card 
If not, you get you get a tick or whatever the case may be like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That definitely would be because it, it is. I think it's gone to the point now where, you know, we don't we really don't know what he, what you get a yellow card for because as you just described there, like players are getting yellow cards for something that's, you know, and it, it might be just a persistent foul. I know they probably had to bring it in this three three um, foul rule or whatever way or three ticks or whatever it is. You know, they had to bring it in because maybe. Or maybe they had to bring something in to stop consistent fouling. Like maybe those mm. forwards is getting constantly fouled, and you know they had to do something to try and 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 curtail that. Um, but I suppose, yeah, as you said, you know, I suppose I think there should be an element of where the foul takes place. You know, I think, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, well, see, I suppose the big, the, big problem, the big problem, Nave, overall is that the game is moving beyond the current set of rules. Like the rules are minimal contact. Nobody wants to see that in ladies' football anymore. They want to see, fair enough, they don't want to see them blasting each other like Dublin did in the league. But, you know, they want to see teams get, get at it. And if a referee's following the rule book, a slight touch, like no easy thing, merits a tick. But nobody wants to see that and it just ends up spoiling the game. And if Galway had come back and won that match, they were leaving aside the goal that we discussed, came back and won that match. Where were Kerry going to be over, you know, like two harmless enough fouls at the end, where at least if the yellow card was dished out for something serious earlier on? Grand, go for 10 yeah. minutes, let's move on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely it. And I mean, I think, like, I think too, if if the game is, you know, uh, you know, like, as you said, there is a bit of, there is physical, and, and players are, are much more, you know, we talked about strength and condition there earlier, teams are much more, um, conditioned now and that they're much able, you know, they're more able for, for more contact. I'm not saying, as you said, that you said it there too. We don't want to hear, see shoulder or any of that kind of stuff. But I mean, little, you know, contact now, players are able to stand up to it. But I suppose it's about, you know, getting the, the, the fine line of what, what is, where is the fine line? And it's here, it's back to the same thing too, Darren, is inconsistency in referees. Referee, ref, or referees' interpretation of, of, of yeah, how they see it. Thing, and and that's, that's why we're not knocking Maggie Farrell or any other official. No. It's just that it would referee completely differently and one referee could end up having a field day with yellow cards for harmless fouls, but they'll be following the actual rule book. Yeah. And maybe something like these two yellow cards the, in highlights the LGFA, their next step now, and it's wonderful work in the evolution of the game and the growth of the game. Each starts saying, right, are our rules up to scratch where ladies football is in 2022? I don't yeah. personally think they are at the moment. I don't think you need a big overhaul of the rules. But there's certainly a couple. You need to define what a yellow card challenge is and define exactly what physical contact should be allowed in the game. Yeah, definitely. Like I know in, in the rule book there is a list of things that's defined as a yellow card, but I think that that as you said, this this thing of the the three ticks, it, it just you know it it just changes a little bit, and I think it's it's uh, and I I probably see the other thing is too. I think in the game, in the motion of the game, I think the referee is telling this person you're on two ticks. Next one, you're you're it's yellow mm. like. So that they're probably the player themselves potentially might know what's been said, um, but us as 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 mere <laughs> supporters or watching on or, or pundits, we we don't get that. Uh, yeah, and like, there's some referees are very good at signaling that, but I still find that patronising to own as well. Like, but at least it's better to be not. We better look at the positives of this game before we finish. Absolutely. Of course, with the two incidents, and look, there was there was mistakes from both teams and some sloppy play as well. I know that we discuss that as they move on, but. Um, it started Galway, uh, got a goal later on. Leanne Cohen made a one, two, three points. Tracy Leonard, absolutely another superb performance from herself in the Galway side of things. If anything, I felt the rest of the Galway attacking unit let Tracy Leonard down. 
Yeah, I agree, Darren. I thought Tracy was phenomenal. I thought I thought her passing, I mean, she, she lined out corner forward, but she did play on the 40. And I thought her passing into the inside forward was, was class, apart from the, the brilliant points she scored as well. But yeah, she she had a great uh, great performance. But yeah, you know, I thought I thought the, the Galway in, in, as a unit too, the work rate was very poor. Like I thought they let Kerry very easy, let the kickouts, you know, put no pressure on the kickout, let them build from, from deep. And, you know, I, I, I was... You know, I, that's why I, at the outset, be saying the hunger that Kerry showed. Where on the flip side of that, you know, Lana Griffin got it very hard to find her own players' kick out because Kerry, you know, were all over them and, and really um, pushed up and got it got it hard for her to find her players for kickouts. Yeah, one uh, goy friend of mine said to me after he stopped him stopped him and the referee for the goy loss, <laughs> said, said to me the goy looked flat. You know, and like, look, they would have put a lot of work in, which got won the Connors title. And who knows, maybe Galway were looking down the line and probably tried to get over it. Who, who knows? But Kerry just looked sharper and hungry over the course of the game. It took them a while to get the radar and check it. A few poor misses. Um, there was time to ball popping up and like a ping pong and nobody was doing anything. But when Kerry, after Galway got the goal, it looked like it lit up Kerry. Like Lorraine Scanlon, it was an absolutely fantastic goal from her. Great move down the field in 21 minutes to get what was the equalising goal at the time and kickstart Kerry's charge. The Galway defence should never have let her anywhere near that. But Lorraine Scanlon just pushed through and got the goal. Yeah, that's that was brilliant. It was actually Kayla Cronin too, Darren, to kick that ball in. And thought she had a phenomenal game. And I keep mentioning her when I, when I mention Kerry's defence. You know, she she is she reminds me a bit of Gordon Lee Flaherty, a Kerry, a former Kerry fullback, the head back, and got an all-star back um in the noughties, early noughties. You know, she she's just like she just commands the whole area, but she pushes forward too, and she'd be a, a dose to play as a full forward to mark because she'd be up the field the whole time. But it was her brilliant pass, and I mean Lorraine Scanlon. You know, obviously the height and the basketball, um, you know, caught it brilliantly and, and put it away. And it was a, a brilliant game. And it really kicked Kerry into motion. Brilliant goal. Really kicked Kerry into motion. They did. They led 1-6 to 1-3 at halftime. Tracy Leonard led the goal fight back in the second half. 1-7 to 1-6. Shooting again poor from both sides, even though it was a high-scoring game. There was a lot of chances left behind. But maybe we should be critical of the defences for both teams for allowing those chances as well. But Kerry did get the two crucial goals before the three-quarter mark. It was hard to work out for a start, whether it was Eric McGlynn or Paris McCarthy. They got the touch from the high ball in for the second goal. I think Paris McCarthy is getting the, the general nod on that, and I think so. I had to take a few looks at it now, Neve, before I made the judgment on it. But I think it was Paris McCarthy, but Neve Carmody, what a belter to the back of the net. Yeah, that was a brilliant goal and put, put Kerry eight points up at that stage, but... Yeah, and a brilliant goal. And I mean, and a, the movement up to up to the goal as well was brilliant. And I mean, she she was no give um, Alana Griffin no chance goals. Yeah, that made a three eight to one six. Louise Neymar hurt to get in the point afterwards, putting nine between them before uh, Galway started making inroads back into it with two late goals from Louise Ward. Great, good strike as well from Louise Ward and Leanne Cohn getting the other goal as well. But Galway coming up two points short. Um, I've no doubt we'll be talking about these te- these teams again, but just a quick word on Galway because they're playing next week and we won't be featuring them. Look, defensively, they were very, very loose. Uh, and attacking-wise, it was like an old habit I used to see back in the mid-teenies where they just kept moving the ball around until somebody took responsibility. And look, Louise Ward tried at times, Nicola and herself probably got a bit of frustrated with some decisions that went to them on occasions. But a lot of players just did not step up for Galway. Um, Andrea Trilda get injured to, to give her her due. But a lot of players did not step up for Galway at key moments in this match. Yeah, that, that is the worrying thing for, for Galway, Darren. Um, you know, you just, first of all, the, the defence, mentioned defence. Yeah, I thought defence was was, you know, I thought Kerry cut through them quite easily at times. Um, 
I thought, you know, as you said, a lot of big players did. I thought Olivia Dibley was very, very quiet. And I think that's a compliment to Coach Lynch. Was marking her for most of the game. Um, you know, she only scored one point and it was late on in the game when she scored us. You know, we didn't see those runs that we were so, um, you know, used to seeing from Olivia, um, you know, them runs from deep. She just didn't seem to get, you know, get on the ball. Um, as I said, Louise and, and Nicola tried to fight the, fight the cause for them, but, you know, they just just didn't have um, enough players stepped up. And, and as we said, you know, just the hunger, they didn't seem to have the hunger, whether it was an element of, of you know, uh, a bit of tiredness or whatever it was. Um, you know, we talked about their bench and what players they had. I mean, Kate Slevin came on early on. And I mean, you know, Kate, we were really looking forward to seeing her, you know, had a great um, early league campaign. I know she was at soccer and stuff, but, you know, things just didn't go well for Kate. She, things didn't work out for her. She got, you know, a couple of balls blocked down early on. And I mean, um, it just didn't work out for her. And I said, uh, you know, Galway have to have to go now and I suppose they have a week off, but they have to go and, and need to get need a big result in the last game. Against, um, in the last game. Yeah, Galway play actually Westmead next week. It's Kerry, Kerry have the week off. Oh, it's but Kerry of the break. Sorry, yeah. Uh, Galway, uh, on the Galway side yeah. of things anyway, you know, and look, we don't want to be discounting Westmead, but Galway would be expected to get the job done. A three-point victory will guarantee a quarterfinal, so they have plenty of time to work that around. Um, Lee, before we go, you mentioned Cot Lynch and sure, look, she was absolutely superb, a very deserving player of the match. Was there any other contenders uh, from either team that you reckon could challenge Cot for uh, that honour? Yeah, well, I, I, Kayla Cronin and um, Darren and I, and, and, as I said, I'm a big fan. I thought she was very, very good. I thought the, the, the actual whole full back line, I thought um, Ailish Lynch had a great game too. Ashton O'Connell got up and scored a pint. Like, I think over the across the board, like they had you know, just had had the better players, um, you know, that stepped up. Anna Galvin had a good match too. And Louise, obviously, you know, ever, um, you know, when, when she's needed to get the score, she's, she's always there. But, you know, the, the fact they had a good spread of store, scores, we talked about the fact that, you know, they needed to get more players to step up and they certainly did. But I, I thought Kayla Cronin would be definitely up. Kelly Cronin getting the nod there as well, along with Cot Lynch and Kerry up and running 310 to 38, avoid defeat against Westmead in two weeks. They guaranteed a place in the quarter final against Armagh, Mead, Armonaghan. And but for Kerry, and even just as I mentioned to Anna there, knee uh, before we leave it, this is the second time we've seen Kerry do this. Yes, they fell short to Cork in the Munster final, but they squeezed it out against Armagh. They squeezed it out here as well. It's just the confidence as if this result, barely the last few minutes, is going to give this team. That's the thing, Darren, and that's that's what you know. I suppose it's a bit like you know, um, like you know, Wexford or these intermediate teams too. You know, you need to get. I suppose the important thing is get off to a good start and get the, hit the ground running. And this was their big match, um, and you know, to get the result over Galway, something that they've struggled to do over the years. Um, it'll, it'll set them up great and give them great confidence. So, um, as you said, a week off now, but great confidence going into the, the last game against Westmead and the series. Yeah, we just hope Andrew Trill and Daniel O'Leary okay as well. They were off injured in that match for Galway and Kerry respectively. That's it for the second part of the show. That was a look back on Kerry against Galway. When we come back after the break, we're going to the first game in Burr last Saturday. That's Donegal against Waterford. I like listening sports dads because I like to listen to ladies football and ladies camogie. Thank you very much and welcome back here to the third half, the final part of the show. And we're looking at the first live game in TG Car this year, Donegal against Waterford. Donegal winning the game by 10 points to 1-5. Neve, I have to be straight hands with you. I found this a very hard watch. Yeah, Darren, it was. Um, yeah, it really was. It was, um, I don't know how it was, but it was hard to watch. And 
I mean, Donegal was certainly, you know, didn't blow anyone out of the water. They weren't at all impressive. They weren't, they were supposedly the, the hot favourites coming into this match and would be expected to, to, to win it. And they just about, did just, just about scraped through. Waterford, and we said last week, if there was one of the outside five um, that could challenge the eight favourites, it was Waterford. But they, I'd say in the bus going home, they would be kicking themselves and not seeing they deserve to win it. But they had plenty of chances to get this job done. Yeah, they really did, Darren. I think I think they kicked, you know, in the second half alone, I think, they, well, apart from the penalty, obviously, that was a massive Massive point in the game, like you know, to you know, because I think there was uh, two points in at the time would have put them would have put the point off the scorers. Uh, you know, that was a massive, massive, uh, you know, turning point for, for Waterford, and it felt that if they'd scored it, you wouldn't know what could have happened. They could have pushed on from there because they did look. You know, I thought Emma Murray was superb at midfield for Waterford, and she really was the one that was really trying to to. to um, to, to sort of push the team on, um, but the, 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 you know, the penalty miss was just a massive, massive turning point in the game. And obviously, they did come back and get a goal later on, but or later on, but you know that if that had gone in, it really could have been a difference. It could, it could have given them that injection that the Kerry's goals got in the other match as well, because the conditions weren't great. Like you know, I mean, we have to take that into account as well. The crowd was very low crowd there, which was a pity at the start. It wasn't much better with the second game in Italy, but it was a low crowd at the start and. It just felt a flatness. And while Seamus Mulfell might have been blown a bit too often in the second half, he did try and let them play a bit of football in the first half in his defence. Yeah, he did. He definitely did. But it was. It was it was desperately flat. And I think another thing that just to point out, Darren, for both games, a double header in Burr, you know, four counties, Donegal, Waterford, um, Kerry and Galway. It was a very poor crowd I had there. I, I, I assume the crowd that we saw in, from the TV cameras Maybe there were some people on the near side, but it wasn't a great day to be standing outside. So it would be brave souls as it were. Absolutely. So I'm assuming the crowd that was there was all in the stand. I just think, I think it was just a very disappointing um, turnout for a match. I don't, I didn't hear a figure of many was at, but I was really disappointed to see such a small crowd. Um, you know, for four, 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 uh, four teams, and you know the the first two matches in the senior championship. So we're very disappointing um, to see that. But yeah, and I think that might have lacked the. Lacked the atmosphere of the game as well as a result. Uh, had a power got a Waterford off the mark. Jordy McLaughlin hit a free again, top scoring seven points. Uh, Karen Guthrie didn't start the game. Now, I, I didn't get word if it was just a recurrence of an injury or, or or whatever, but she didn't start the game as well. She was a big loss because she, Karen had been in form and even off the bench in the Ulster final. Yeah, she was. Yeah, that was a, the, the big, uh, big, a big miss at the start for them, surely. And I don't know. I know as, as we had talked, she was missed the Calvin game because she was injured and then she obviously came on in the in the Ulster final. Um, so like I hope it's it's only you know, I hope it's only a niggle for her and I, you know, I hope you wanted to see Karen back playing for, for, for Donegal again and you know, the, the leader. Um but yeah, so that that left them and I mean as you said, uh, a very low score in first half, three points to two at half time and uh, you know, it was as I said, it was hard to watch now because it was it was really you know, it was it was a poor, it was just poor like and I thought I thought you know barring the injection of, of something good Jerry did and, and Katie Heron a good point from Katie Heron and obviously Evelyn McGinley they had started um off that first half um Tony Gall were down to 14 players that a sin bin early on but still and even with that you know Waterford couldn't push on with the with the sin but the extra the numerical advantages didn't seem like it didn't look like that. 
Yeah, Evan McGinley went off there for 10 minutes too. And actually Donegal scored two points still on Waterford in that time. And Waterford were getting the chances. Like the penalty didn't come clear in the second half, but there was spots as well. Now Donegal had one or two big moments too. Um, I think Katie O'Hanlon made a stop in Geraldine and McLaughlin. But um, Kate McGrath was probably very lucky. She did pick up a yellow card later on for a high foot. I think it was on uh, Amy Boyle Carr. That's right, yeah. That, that was the one that, again, that's back to what we talked about earlier. About the yellow card, that was one that you would have been certain for a yellow card, and wasn't. I was convinced it was going to be a yellow card at the yeah. time. Convinced to say myself, and you know it, it wasn't, and you know, and I mean, he, look, he proved he was he was willing to give out the cards, you know, in a sense that Evan McGilley had gone before that, but yeah, he, uh, he he was very lucky. Very lucky, very lucky. So Amy Boyle Carr was one of the driving forces in the game. I thought, like Neil McLaughlin, the deserving player of the match, but I thought Amy Boyle Carr literally put her body in the line for Johnny Gall in the game before eventually having to go off. Yeah, she did. She really did. She covered every inch, Darren, and she, you know, she turned over a lot of ball and was really the the like as you said, she was the player that tried to, especially in the defense. Because I thought at, at times we 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 praised Johnny Gall's defense at times, and I thought Waterford seemed to find very easily find holes and be able to to walk through them at times and certainly did for for the, the goal they did score and even for the, the setup for the penalty too I, I thought and she definitely tried to to you know Amy Boyle tried to try to keep it a bit tighter in, in the back um as much as the chances they had won in Waterford just couldn't seem to get their kick outs right at all especially in the second half yeah they were they were that was a big a big thing um for them um Emer, was it Emma Gallagher's letter? Yeah, she yeah did the kickouts, and even at times she was a little bit, um, you know, she didn't look confident or comfortable in the goals. If you like, you know, at times a few balls hopped in, and she nearly that they kind of hopped out wide, and she wasn't sure to do with them. Yeah, so kickouts didn't work out, and that certainly put a lot of pressure on Waterford at times. Tony Gold got the first five points of the second half to go eight points to two in front, but as you mentioned, um, the goal, uh, not the goal, the penalty. Sorry, like Katie Murray taken down. Uh, Kellyanne Hogan, she won't want to look at that penalty again anytime soon. Uh, again, you can make arguments that this is Murray's yellow card. You know, kind of a last man back to everything. That's exactly. I have that written down here. I'm very lucky not to get Sinbin, Tanya Kennedy. Yeah, I, I really thought, and it's back to what um, the was it the league final or the Leinster final? The Leinster final. Or no, what game was it? The Morrow Shocks he got Sinbin. Was it the Leinster final, or was it the yeah? It was the Leinster final. Remember, we talked about it and we said, God, was she really wasn't really foot block. And we said, um, you know, we thought that if you pull someone down, you know, for last man back sort of thing, that you, that's maybe why you get a sin bin or whatever. Or you give away a penalty, you get a sin bin. And I, I really was shocked that Tanya Kenny, he spoke to her and all, and then he just mm. let her go. And I, I thought like, and again, it's back to the yellow card thing. I would have thought that that was that more warranted a sin bin because, you know, she really did, like, she really did pull her down because she was going through on goal. Like, so really felt that that should have been um, that could have changed things obviously if they go down to 14 and the penalty had been scored it really would have um, changed things where on the other hand the penalty was missed and Gerling or Tony Gall go down the field and Gerling gets a point and it goes 5-2 then so that was um, that was a big change big turning point now I have to say one thing as well during this period too and we got a few messages in about it I complimented the referee's performance in the first half and I actually watched him referee off Ligan's lead from last week and I thought he did a superb job but Neve, there was freeze showing up in the second half and for life me, I could not see where they were coming from. It was like phantom freeze there if there was a blow of wind or something. Like Dunny Gold certainly got two very, very soft ones during that period and Waterford got one or two more uh, as the half went on. 
Yeah, there, there was, and I mean, there was. I, I didn't see an actual free countdown of how many was given on either side, but there definitely was freeze. And I suppose that was the big difference in the two teams, uh, where where Donegal had a free taker and was able to score them, and on, on the, the flip side, Waterford got freeze that they just could not get scores from. Like, and you know, they kicked them short, kicked them wide. Uh, I think they kicked maybe six, seven wides in the second half alone, you know, and maybe one or two short in the keeper's hands, and and like that was the big telling point because. You know, they were certainly getting. They were on. They were. They were had plenty of possession. They were getting into the areas, but they just couldn't get the get the scores. And that was probably the big difference. Jerling was well able to six scores. Really gone. Oh, Jerley was nailed it on as well. But Waterford did get back into it, and they got back to within a point at one stage. I was very impressed with Breach McMahon when she came on. I just thought she came on with an attitude and a determination that Waterford needed. And I just thought she drove. She got a point herself as well, involved in some challenges too. And we just seemed to be taking no nonsense. Yeah, well, I mean, I suppose, I mean, she started against um, against Cork, Darren, and maybe had lost her place for that game, and she probably wanted to prove a point that she, you know, that she you know, hadn't, hadn't when, she, when she maybe effectively lost her place, whatever. So, yeah, she definitely came on and, and proved a point, and as you said, scored a point, and was really, was was trying to, um, and in fact, the two substitutes, obviously, Ashley Milani coming on too, was the two substitutes that really um, made a big difference, and obviously, Ashley scored the goal. Yeah, it's easy to have hindsight there and ask was the right team picked because when you look at the players that were coming on, Aileen Wall, uh, Quiva McGrath as well, coming on the field, you kind of wonder why weren't they starting? But that being said too, as you mentioned, Formas Fickland is a good panel there. Ashley Milani, it was a great Waterford goal. And I thought this was going to drive them because despite how poor they were with the opportunities they were getting, they were still staying in the contest. They were, Darren. And I mean, that goal left at eight points to one three. And you know they were still, they were still, uh, still, uh, you know, still had, definitely were still, as you said, in the contest and definitely there or thereabouts. But I suppose then, you know, a bit of touch of brilliance by Geraldine Glockland. Then you know where she again a poor kick out, which Geraldine um, won, and I mean it was nearly a lob, and that left it. She's it bounced or they popped. Was Emma of Emma Duggan about it, wasn't there? Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> and I thought. You know, I was really feeling for the Waterford keeper if it, if it had gone in at that stage because it was, you know, the kick out just didn't go where she wanted at all. And, you know, that left it nine to one three. But as I said, you know, then Kate McGrath comes up from quarterback and, and puts it nine to one four. And again, they were still, they hadn't dropped their heads and you have to compliment Waterford that they did, they did keep plugging away till the very end. It did indeed in the stead, didn't it? But as much as we talk about what Waterford missed and the chances Waterford had and the mistakes that Waterford did, like a year ago, Donegal would not have won a game like this. They didn't play anywhere near their best, but they stepped up at key moments. And as disappointed as Maxi Kern will be with the overall effort put in by his team, they had to resolve. Like Yvonne Bonner with a great kick at the end there as well. They had to resolve to get the job done. Yes, Darren, they did. And I, I definitely complimented that. It wasn't, as we said, it wasn't a pretty match to watch. But, you know, when you get the results and you don't play well, you, you still... You've loads to work on, and you still think. But the only thing I was, I was probably disappointed with Donegal, apart from you know, I, I wasn't, you know, I didn't think look the team that we want to see that you know that has any aspirations to win or learn. But towards the end, and I just saw visions of of if it was a, like visions of the Ulster final. Towards the end, when there were two points up, or maybe a point up, and then and then two points up, this crack of of holding on possession in their own half, passing the ball around. And I just thought, like, if Waterford had actually pushed up on them, they could have easily turned the ball. I think actually they did maybe turn the ball over at one stage. Yeah, they, they started pushing up at the very end, but probably left it too late. Yeah, they left it too late. But I just thought, 
like even Jerry McLaughlin was right back in her own half and she was, you know, taking the ball and soloing around. And I was just thinking, like, did they not learn the lesson from the Armagh, the Ulster final of messing about in there? Because if it had been turned over, you know, you wouldn't, I know Waterford had had chances before that and they didn't take them. But, you know, I just thought they really were playing with fire towards the end at, at the amount of time they were you know, sort of holding and try and instead of trying to push on and, and get another score, they were trying to hold the ball in their own half, which is very dangerous. I wrote down at one stage in this match, uh, that Donegal looked like a team that were trying not to make any mistakes against a Waterford team that didn't believe they could overturn that. Very, very well put, Darren. Um, yeah, that that's that sums it up brilliantly. And I think uh, that is, and that's what it seemed with Waterford. They just didn't have the belief. And when they even, you know, I mean, even when they got the goal, it was still it was still in the mix, as you said there, you know, there still was only two points in it after the goal. And I mean, they still pushed on, but they didn't score for the last nine minutes and they just didn't have, you know, and I don't know even if, if you know, I thought there was a few funny substitutes made, you know, apart from, the, you know, maybe the, the team that started, but I thought Pat Sullivan, you know, he took off Chloe Fennell near the end and put on a defender. I thought there was a few funny things done towards the end too that you'd be thinking, you know, did he want to win it? You, you nearly you know, I'm not saying he didn't, but did he believe they could win it? and push on it's very very true yeah I think that loss is going to hurt them because like no shame losing to Donegal but this was Waterford's opportunity now to face Cork a week after next they've nothing to lose but the record as much as they've been tied barred amongst the semi-final this year the record isn't encouraging for them too for Donegal they have the results they have a free shot at Cork this week Uh, we'll be previewing it in Sports Dance Football on Friday Um, but Again, at the risk of repeating ourselves, you know, this has to be the bad game out of the way. And if it is the bad game out of the way, we've seen many a team win a championship after playing dreadful the first day. Mead, a prime example last year, let's call it a Cork Mead game last year in the group stage, wasn't a pretty watch. Um, is That's what Donegal have to be. We need to see a massive improvement from Donegal this weekend, whether it be Cork or not. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're right, Darren. I think they're, they were lucky in the sense that no disrespect to Waterford, but that they got Waterford the first game because like that performance wouldn't beat um wouldn't beat Cork. Um so they need to they need to really um as you said to have to have the week this um the week's break, haven't they? No, yeah. no, no, Cork and Dunny Gold. No, this no, week. sorry, I'm getting yeah. sorry, I'm getting confused me <laughs> you said Waterford have a break. Um but yeah, so they they have, I suppose you said the free shot, that's what you said, sorry. They're the free shot now that they're obviously um you, you feel that they they've qualified now, but they, they need to get um I don't know. Like, I mean, it, it is. Uh, they, they definitely have to up their game a lot more. Um, you know, I suppose after the, the annoyance and again the, the the heartache of losing that Ulster final, especially in the manner they did, it was going to take it hard, hard for them to pick themselves. They do. They have that done now, and we they can win to um, the weekend's game now with um with a bit more confidence. Johnny Gall beat Waterford by 10 points to 1-5. Kerry beat Galway 3-10 to 3-8. Poor performances, but wins over this year's league finalists, Tony Gall and Mead, but it was the Division 2 champions that won the All-Ireland last year. And Kerry have started off on a winning note. That was our first third half of the TG Carroll Ireland Senior Football Championship. Myself and Mead will do it all again back to Tuesday uh, next week. But of course, we won't be too far away. We'll be back on Friday for Sports Stars Football. As mentioned earlier on, we'll hear from the loud football captain, Shannon McLaughlin, 
uh, after their great win against Clare. And we'll be previewing Armagh against Mead and Cork against Donegal. So that promised to be a bumper show Friday of this week. Sports Stars Football. Make sure you check it out. But for the third half, we hope you enjoyed the show. Sorry for keeping you waiting. But it was our 300 show in Sports Stars. It was deserved <laughs> to have a party. Myself and Eve now are going to go to the after show party and have a few celebrations. Hope you enjoy the show. I'm Darren Kelly. This was the third half. I'd like to thank my partner in crime one last time, Eve Kendall. Yes, Darren. Thank you. Cheers.